We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Chase Down Podcast presents A City of Champions, a seven-part series chronicling the Cavs' 2016 NBA championship. With help from fans who cheered against us, reporters who covered it, and the players who watched it, we'll take you game by game through the most improbable 3-1 comeback in championship history. Be sure to subscribe to the Chase Down Podcast to relive the greatest series we've seen in our lifetimes. One dribble steps back, puts up a three, won't go, rebound tip taken by Spades, final seconds, it's over, it's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. The series begins Thursday, April 9th. Hey there, welcome to Binge the Bucks, a special narrative podcast series focusing on the Milwaukee Bucks 2019 playoff run, part of the Eurostep podcast, which is brought to you today by betonline.ag, our exclusive partner, and the terrific City of Champions podcast series the folks over at the Chase Down are doing. They are going through the 2016 finals in great detail, as only they can, game by game. People, please do not miss that. The Chase Down, another terrific Blue Wire podcast, just like the Eurostep. I'm Ty Windish, and I'm here, as always, with my mans, Rohan Kadi, to break down Game 5 in the second series in this 2019 playoff run. A 116-91 win over the Boston Celtics to clinch the series. Rohan, as the Bucks just now... As we look back, won four straight games for the second time this postseason. This felt terrific. It really did feel terrific. It it was sort of a turning point, not only for this team, but the franchise in general. We had seen that they had absolutely rinsed the Pistons in four straight games to get their first playoff series win. But this was their first real test of the postseason. And getting this uh, series win in four straight games to make their first Eastern Conference final since 2001. It was a very resounding victory, and Pfizer Forum showed up, and they showed out. Yeah, they certainly did. This game at times got really, really loud. And I guess the other thing we should point out, unless we totally missed it before, 
We got Malcolm Brogdon back. We did. He had his first game back since March 15th of that season. So, and this was, this game was May 8th. So it had been almost two months since we had seen Malcolm Brogdon on the court. And he he was a key starter for this team. So getting him back was a huge boost, not really for this series, because, you know, the series was already essentially wrapped up as they, as Milwaukee had a 3-1 lead and were headed back home. But uh, he was mainly needed going forward, and seeing him back was just fantastic. It was, and I'm glad you feel that way as well. I know there's certainly some animosity out there on Bucks Twitter about Brogdon, and certainly uh, it was a bummer to lose him, especially to a, a division rival, if anyone cares about that anymore. Um, I There was a lot of... Uh, kind of like haha, you know, finger pointing at Brogdon's rough season with the injuries, which I think kind of sucks, but it is. I mean, like that was the reason to not pay him. One of many was like, that is a real concern, but all that stuff aside uh, and the Chris versus Brogdon stuff before the year got straight up loony. Shouts to my guy, Snotty Drippin, who is still taking strays from his tweets with me about Brogdon being better than Middleton. But uh, all that aside, I felt the same way you did. I thought it was great to see him come back and play for the Bucks again. I had no conflicting feelings at all watching him play well. And I think he did play pretty well this game, especially if you consider the uh, the games off he had with the injury. And this was really, in a lot of ways, the perfect setting to come back and, and knock some of the rust off in. No, it really wasn't. Yeah, I had no ill will watching Brogdon play. I have no ill will towards him now. He got a big contract, and he's in Indiana. He's getting a bigger role Bucks replaced him with Wes Matthews. That shows how important he was to this team. And he gets to show out in Indiana. So it, it's fine. It worked out for everyone. It did. I mean, he, he wanted to be a point guard. I think that's pretty obvious in mm-hmm. retrospect he, based he wanted, on everything he He wanted a bigger said. role. He wanted the ball more. And you're not going to get that with Giannis, Chris, and Bledsoe. Exactly. So um, a lot of a lot of false, false dichotomies, I think, are brought up when talking about that entire thing. But I think that's, that's all we want to iron out for now. But yeah, I, I felt the exact same way. And he... Does score early here. Oh, no. I'm looking. I looked at the wrong quarter. He does score in the first half, not the first quarter. But before we get there, do you do you have any stage setting to do? Or should we go right into the first quarter here? Well, I mean, like we said, Brogdon is back. And like I alluded to, it's just Milwaukee was in prime position to close this out. But, you know, you didn't necessarily need to win this game considering you had a 3-1 to one lead and home court advantage back. But... If you win this game, it seemed you were going to get a lot of rest because Toronto-Philly was going the distance to determine their opponent and went to seven games. So if you win this game early, you get rest and time to recover for the Eastern Conference Finals. So it was in Milwaukee's best interest, obviously, to just close out the series in five. Do you think if Philly had won that series, if Kawhi's bouncy shot doesn't go in, that the Bucks might have went to the finals this year? I think they I think they definitely would have gone to the finals. I think they definitely would have had a better chance. That's for sure. Although that that Philly team too, I, I tweeted something about LeBron picked the right year to to leave the East to skedaddle out west. Um that Philly team too was pretty damn good. I think honestly better than it is this year. I think that that's probably not even a hot take anymore. I that's said that in the take. summer as well. Um like Jimmy Butler when surrounded by those caliber of players, but still like the way they were set up, he could still have the ball when he needed it, and he could still play the defense he can play. I mean, that team, Jimmy Butler, J.J. Redick, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and they still had Tobias back then, right? Yeah, he just was mm-hmm. typical Tobias who can kind of flutter in and out. But, man, that team was that team was good. So I, I wouldn't say it's a guarantee, but I do think 
I think they probably would have a better shot. I think that the we'll see in the next yeah, series. Yeah, maybe not a guarantee, but they they definitely would have had a better shot. Um, yeah, I think that Raptors team from from last year from this 2019 run was pretty much a perfect storm of of circumstances and of players and things coming together to handle every team ultimately, but the Bucks too. But anyway, let's get back to this game. First quarter, again, kind of a tight first quarter, but this time it is the Bucks who are in control, and I think this is the first time. Maybe in the whole postseason, I know it didn't happen at all in the Pistons series, that the Bucks won every single quarter. But still, still, this still felt like it wasn't like a blowout win. I mean, it ends up being a blowout win, but for a while it wasn't a blowout win. Um, Giannis picks up where he left off last game with just the first bucket of the game and more and more. He's hitting pull-ups. The Bucks start off on an 8-0 run. As I mentioned earlier, serve is absolutely losing it. I mean, this has got to be... What one of the biggest games in five serve ever at the time? It has to be. I mean, mm-hmm. it's got it's obviously up there. Um, there's only been what four, five, five playoff yep, wins in five serve form. Yep. So clearly one of the best, uh, and one of the one of the three non Pistons wins. But definitely a good start. But it it was not not by any means an obvious Bucks win after this first quarter. The Celtics do take the lead at one point on a three by who else? Marcus Morris. So this does end up being a closer quarter than the 8-0 start would indicate. It was, but it seemed like for the first time that Milwaukee, well, for the first time, it was Milwaukee who got out hot instead of Boston. Because for the first uh, four games of this series, we always always talked about how Boston would get out to like a significant, not maybe significant, but a little sizable lead early. And then Milwaukee would like fight their way back and get into prime position. But it the script was flipped this time, so the Bucks got out hot, and then Boston responded. And like you said, they even took the lead late in the first quarter. Even though Milwaukee did win the quarter, twenty-two to nineteen, it was still it was still only a three-point game. Um, and it was it would have been tied if not for a great George Hill three. Yes, and I feel like that was very indicative of the series overall. Uh, yeah. With George Hill just uh, hitting big shot after big shot, he wasn't putting up like gaudy numbers or anything. But every time he scored, it felt like it was important. No, truly, George Mountain, as I called him that series, because he's way bigger than a hill for this Bucks team. George uh, Mountain. At one point, Urson absolutely cooks Al Horford and nails a step back three. Step over back him. three over Al Horford. Yeah, sure. And um, people call this man a Giannis stopper, Rohan. He's got cooked up and filleted by Urson Ilyasova, who I will say, watching these games again. Ersan played pretty damn well this playoffs. He did. He's not. He's not bad. He it's certainly just, wasn't bad in this in this series a year ago. That's for sure. No, he's not bad. It's just like there's obvious ways in which you can upgrade, which yeah. makes it like makes him seem a little dispensable, even though he's an actual good player and is like consistently a good player. Which I don't know. I, I find myself being an Ersan defender at times. Uh, something that Al. Horford was not on that play. Uh, so <laughs> nice. uh, I do feel like if these play if this season these playoffs ever get resumed and the Bucks draw Philly at some point, I don't mind the Urson L Horford matchup for the Bucks. Remember how big Urson was for Philly uh, two seasons ago? Oh yeah. There was they brought in him and who Bellinelli. Um, yeah, I think. Marco Bellinelli. Yeah, they really needed shooting and they got buyout shooting and that's now the Bucks get all the good buyout players, so it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. anymore. That's what but, happens when you have a good team. It is. Yeah. Um, I don't Bio think, players oh. don't go to trash teams. Mm. Well, sometimes I do. Wayne Ellington to the Pistons. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Laz and Detroit. 
Do you want to hear Marcus Morris's shooting splits for this series? Let me hear it. I put them down next to Celtics take a lead on Morris. Who else? Three. He shot 62% from the field and 55% from three in this series. Nice. <laughs> Just a menace. Yeah. It's... You, Go ahead. Usually I say that Marcus Morris hijacks offenses too much. The Celtics maybe should have let him hijack it a little bit more. <laughs> Based on those numbers. Yeah, it fe- the, it's it's the classic conundrum with the, the more I, uh, I guess. It's yeah. just uh, you get efficient shooting out of them, but it's like to what cost? In the sense that like right. no one else on the team is getting involved at all. Like Marcus Moore, like the yeah, Marcus Morris is providing like good offense and a very efficient shooting, but just like no one else touches the ball and no one else sort of can get into a rhythm. And it's just like you're not playing team basketball and you need to play team basketball to win in tough road environments against great teams. And just the Marcus Morris show is not going to get you a win against Milwaukee. No. It, well, maybe one, but not a series win, that's for sure. Um, second quarter begins here uh, as we move on. Oh, I, my favorite Marcus Morris thing will always be, it's Marcus Morris time, <laughs> quote from Marcus Morris. Um and then, of course, the Western Conference Finals this year was really shaping up to be it's Markeith Morris and Marcus Morris time. Markeith Morris and Marcus Morris. That Lakers-Clippers series that hopefully we still get. Um, second quarter, the game quickly goes. So it was 19-19 before George Hill hits that three to end the first quarter. It quickly goes in the second quarter from 19-19 to 29-19 on a Chris Middleton three. The Bucks go double digits up. And it really feels like at this point I was ready for Milwaukee to pull away. And, and they, they ultimately do by the end of the quarter. But... We finally get some signs of life from Gordon Hayward. Just too late in the game and in the series for it to matter that much. But Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving had a really nice quarter. And they end up, the Celtics are down 16-ish a few different times. George Hill's hitting some threes. But those guys, I mean, the Bucks still have a double-digit lead after this quarter. But those guys, mostly those two, prevent the Bucks from really running away and, and putting a nail on this thing. Yeah, Kyrie was hitting his tough shots that he was hitting in Game 1 that led to a Celtics victory, but it just wasn't enough. Like you said, Gordon Hayward was playing well too. It it just wasn't enough because the rest of the team was being uh, stymied by Milwaukee's defense and just not playing well at all. Like Jason Tatum took one shot in the second quarter. I forgot how bad he was for most of the series outside of, I think, either Game 2 or Game 3. He had a decent uh, fourth quarter in this game. Or third quarter, I guess. Uh, but he was just, he was abysmal in like the first half of this game. And that's probably why they couldn't really get back into it, even though Kyrie and Gordon were sort of getting into a rhythm. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown went 0 for 5 combined in the quarter. And then that allowed Milwaukee to keep their double digit lead. And even a lot of that came with the bench mob. Like we said, George Hill was big. He kept it going with like Pat and Urson and. Brogdon, who was part of the bench mob at the time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it just, they kept it going because the Celtics couldn't get anything going with their, like, uh, third man on down, which it's it's not going to lead to good results. You know, most teams, I feel like, aren't that well-suited for, like, a pound-the-rock point guard. But this Celtics team probably could have used somebody who's just going to, like, distribute the hell out of the ball. Like, ironically, Rondo... Lonzo Ball, somebody like that, who's, I mean, Marcus Smart, again, is not as good of a playmaker as those guys, but that same kind of mold, the Pat Bev guy. Like, there's just so many mouths here, and you can just see some of them just, like, it just did not all 
fit. And and I think the Tatum thing is a good example. I mean, he was younger. He wasn't as good, but he should have looked better than he looked. I don't think it's all on him. This team was very confusing and I think very confused as well. Yeah, one thing for Milwaukee was that Giannis wasn't really scoring at all. At no. the half, he had six points, but he was dishing it out. He had six points, but he had six assists. At yeah, half. He was on a triple-double watch in the second quarter, I think. Yeah, he, what did he have? Uh, he, he always has a bunch of rebounds. Like at the half, he had, what is it, uh, six points, six assists, and five rebounds. Like he had yeah. like half of a triple-double at halftime. Which he doesn't was, get it, does he? I forgot to check. I don't think he does. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was... Oh, does he? He does not. He had eight <laughs> okay. assists. And only eight <laughs> rebounds somehow. That's right. Well, uh, well, we'll get to later why he might have had less rebounds. But yeah, it was... You weren't getting a lot of dominant Giannis scoring, which, you know, isn't really great for Milwaukee, but they still managed to get a double-digit lead because Nikola Miritich and Eric Bledsoe and George Hill, they were getting... They were getting their points. Chris Middleton was struggling a little bit. Only when he had, he was three of eight and a half with only eight points. Uh, but Giannis, he was, even though he wasn't scoring, he was distributing and playing great defense as usual. So that's that's how you get a double digit lead, even though your MVP isn't scoring the ball that well. Right. The Bucks were making a ton of threes, uh, especially early in this game in this quarter, or no, maybe not especially this quarter, but in this game, and it really it made such a huge difference. I mean, you can just see. The Bucks can grind out wins when, even when they're not hitting threes, and, and this year that it's not they're not as dependent. But last year and still this year as well, like if they're hitting a lot of threes, it's, you don't really have that much of a chance. So that's what the Celtics ran into. Uh, we'll say we'll note Brogdon does make I think his first shot of the game in this quarter. He nails a three, and everybody goes crazy. A lot, a lot of good feelings in this first half, and the Bucks do carry a solid lead to the second quarter or second half, excuse me, that we will get to in just a second. But first. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think that there's nothing to bet on, but, oh dear listener, you would be so wrong. Our exclusive partner, betonline.ag, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Are you missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live, daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. Plus, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. They're all open 24 hours a day, and they're all completely online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering solution. Okay. Now that we are... I'm, I'm done placing all my simulated Madden wages, wagers. Let's, uh, let's get to this third quarter, Rohan. What are your, what are your initial third quarter thoughts? Well, I mean, they they did have a sizable lead. They were up fifty-two to thirty-nine at the ha- the half. Milwaukee, that is, and this third quarter was actually close. Um, like it it felt really close. Like uh, it just seemed like every time uh, the Celtics they would go on like a little bit of a run uh, to get it to like within single digits the lead. Milwaukee would just hit a big shot and put them away again. It was sort of like a back and forth, but it wasn't a back and forth where like you know they're they're tied up. It's whether it's whether Milwaukee was letting Boston back into the game or not. It was a lot of uh, Boston trying to get this within, like you know, like a a reasonable margin where they can, you know, go on a big run and come back. But then Milwaukee would just shut them down right away. Uh, Giannis got to scoring a little bit. He had he had ten points uh, of his twenty total in this quarter alone. 
So he he was actually you know starting to score the ball a little bit. But yeah, it was it was a close quarter. Jason Tatum, like I alluded to earlier, he was hitting some shots. Not he was shooting like thirty three percent from the field, but he was getting to the free throw line, made six to seven from there. But you know, overall, it was it was a close quarter. But since Milwaukee had done such a great job in the first half, it didn't really mean anything. No, exactly. I mean, Chris hits a three again right away to open up the quarter. The Bucks are up to sixteen, and it's like okay, it seems like it's really about to get out of hand. Giannis hits some mid rangers. Giannis steal and slam, get it back up to 13. The Celtics just keep on fighting back, sort of. Not, not you know, getting the lead or even getting the tie, but preventing it from going to 20 points. I mean, Chris, Chris to Ursan, which as I discovered when I did my Chris Middleton passing video, Chris passes to Ursan kind of a lot. I don't know why, but he does, and, and Ursan's pretty good at finishing the looks. Um, so that's a that's a fun thing to look forward. Like if you watch Bucks games and Chris has the ball, he likes to find Ursan for whatever reason. But uh, but then like Boston comes back, pulls it within ten on a Horford hook shot. It's like damn, like how does this? They they really they kept in it for until I think really the last quarter of the last game in the series, which it's really easy to say you know that Boston team had so many chemistry problems and they gave up and they absolutely combusted. They just got beat. Honestly, was my takeaway. Like they they didn't they didn't implode. They didn't like stop trying. They didn't completely combust like they got beat by the bucks that's what happened in this series like it's not really in my opinion any deeper than that yeah it's not about boston you know sort of beating themselves it's milwaukee being better than them even though the celtics were playing like a very good team milwaukee was just better and they executed better and they they yeah like you said they just got beat they beat the celtics down exactly um, I love the one of the last plays of the quarter. Giannis really fights all the way through Marcus Morris to put it to 16 on, on a, a driving layup. And, of course, I don't think there was a foul call because, of course, there wasn't. But just a great, gritty play. You could, you could see Giannis is all the way in it, all the way feeling good and focused. And that takes us to the fourth quarter. Uh, the Bucks win this one 36-29. This is really when I think the wheels fell off, finally. Um, the Bucks are very suddenly up 20. The Celtics still score a bit in this quarter, but their defense was just, I mean, like Giannis was doing give and goes and just like had so much space as he moved toward the rim. And even if he doesn't have the ball, I feel like you should probably be a little more aware of Giannis. Like uh, Malcolm Brogdon's throwing lobs to George Hill. Like and it, the Bucks were just like, they were having fun. They were having fun and very minimal like movement or off ball stuff. Like they were just finding so many good looks. And you could see really in this quarter, the Celtics were just like, not bringing it on both ends anymore. Yeah, like uh, Giannis got Al Horford again with a pump fake from deep, which led to the Bledsoe <laughs> give and go for a dunk, which I just thought was hilarious. Like Giannis got Al Horford two times in the series on a pump fake from three. Giannis stopper, Rohan. He's a, yeah, you're right. He's a Giannis stopper. Uh, but yeah, it was it was. I I just wrote Milwaukee was just having fun with it. George Hill was throwing down uncontested oops. And pulling up for three uh, with Al Horford, like, in his face. Oh, yeah. George uh, Hill was cooking in this game. He was. Uh, Tim Frazier was hitting threes. Pat Con- the doves. Pat Connison was hanging on the rim. Like, it, it was just consistently a 20-point lead. And I think Boston was softening up because they realized that their season, that they had hyped up so much and that they were going, you know, to win the title, that it was over. They were getting beat and they were a second-round exit. Yeah, no, it was. It, this was clearly when it was very done. Again, honestly, thought this happened a lot earlier in the series based on how people tend to look back and talk about this series and that Boston team. I remember, what was it? 
I think a couple weeks ago, Zach Lowe said something like, did the Bucks get too much credit for beating this Boston team? And I was like, hold on. First, who gives the Bucks credit for anything? And second, like, I feel like the general narrative is like this Boston team just combusted, but from watching it, they didn't. I mean, they, they tried. They just lost. And then the very last quarter, they really gave up. I think at one point, I put down, Kyrie is still sort of doing stuff, but now it's to stay down 20 instead of stay down 10. And the wheels really just, from there... The wheels were all the way off. I keep saying that. The wheels were done. I mean, Marcus Morris, of course, hits a three to bring the Bucks' lead down, but it's bringing it down to 20 again. And when they were playing defense the way they were playing in that quarter, you could really tell. I mean, it was just about Yabu time. <laughs> yeah. It was just Milwaukee. They they just put it away. They were determined to put it away, and they did. That's that's all that happened in this fourth quarter. They, they realized that they were about to head to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they were having fun with their method of proving it and you know that's just what happened they beat a team by 25 in a closeout game what was it 25 am i good at math yeah 25 points in a closeout game at home so they were just you know they were they were they were giving the fans a show no absolutely they were and just uh it was invigorating to see them come all the way back i remember just being so pumped up about the rest of the run at this point i mean Obviously, the Raptors and Sixers still fighting, and at this point, I felt like either the Bucks would have a good shot against either one of them. Is what it felt like to me back then. I mean, you just think like they come all the way to get back against a good Boston team, not as good as they thought, or as what was the Sports Illustrated cover? What what, what was the text? Oh, I can't remember. Like, what who's it... gonna stop them or something like that? Yeah, I think that. Wait, what did you say? This, like, wasn't there an SI cover of the, the Celtics, like the five? Yeah, there's always the an SI cover for these teams. <laughs> so, like, who's going to stop? I'm, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, uh, I think there was here, that but... Bleacher Report tweet, like, who's stopping them? Uh, oh, I'm, that's, yeah. 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 I don't know if you remember this, but right after the uh, buzzer sounded, I tweeted out a video that I made of all of the Celtics hype tweets and just to a oh, laugh track. I do remember this. Yeah. That's a great video. Because it just, it felt so good. Because just every single, like, all the discourse you would hear is just, oh, the Celtics team. They're so watch out for them in the playoffs. They're they're so good. They're you had the be... Bill Simmons clip, didn't you? No, I didn't. Oh, there was a great Bill Simmons clip about the Celtics team. Oh, that they're going to win Jaylen. 67 games and yeah. it's going to be mostly 20-point blowouts yeah. before the season. It's, it's going to be sad for everybody else. Yeah, 67 <laughs> games. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was. It just felt so good. Just all of the discourse was just that this Boston team is just going to turn it on in the playoffs, and that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna definitely beat the Bucks, but like you know, maybe win the title. No, they got beaten five games in the second round. Gentlemen sweep by Pat Connaughton and George Hill. The biggest Bucks moment, probably, I'd say, probably this series is outside of drafting Giannis and like uh, you know various roster moves, but like on court. Probably the most meaningful and important thing that's happened to the Bucks. I mean, I, I guess it depends how you look at the next round. But, like, in terms of highlights, this has got to be number one since 2001 at least. Oh, 100%. There's, there's nothing that even compares. They made the conference finals for the first time since 2001 because of this yeah. game. Like, we'll get into later. They do win some games in this next round. But it's like this was just, like, a crowning moment, like... You're going to the conference finals. You are amongst the elite of the elite. You were one of the four teams remaining of this NBA season. So, you know, just take a bow, and that's what that fourth quarter was. It really was. It was just fun at that point. It was just like, all right, we can just do whatever we want now. This thing is over. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, 
that's the second round of this 2019 playoff run. I don't know how much more I really have to add. I mean, the Celtics did not make it interesting late, despite Terry Rozier's absolute best efforts. Um, I think at one point, I don't know. I, you know, Everyone who listens now knows. I, I do not know any announcers, but somebody's like, they got to get the starters out of here unless Terry's going to hit like eight or ten more of those threes. It was threes. Uh, Chris Weber. That was Chris Weber. Okay. Yeah. I kind of laughed at that, honestly. Yeah. Because he was just like, yeah, I remember that moment. Like, uh, it was the starters are not coming back into this game. And then Terry Rozier pulls up for three, unless he hits like 20 more of those. It's like, <laughs> well, I mean, that'd be 60 points. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Math is hard. I, I mean, based on the last the last Bucks Celtics series, Terry Rozier maybe could have done that, but fortunately he did not. Fortunately, the Bucks turned into an actual competent basketball organization. Yes. So, you know, Terry Rozier is not going to destroy them anymore. <laughs> now we can just oh. destroy the uh, Hornets. Yeah. Oh, By being on their tough. team. Tough. He's been decent there. He also is getting paid like $84 million. No, I thought it was like 50 some. Is it? Am I just? Let, let me. Let's go. This is okay. This is off the rail. Let's. Who cares? <laughs> this is a Bucks twenty nineteen playoff run podcast. How much does Terry Rozier make? <laughs> Terry Rozier, yeah, I overinflated three years, fifty eight million. Yeah, which is not great, but well, it's the Hornets. What were they gonna? Sign mean, Kemba Walker. Yeah, I guess Kemba. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, do you have any other Bucks Celtics stuff? Um, it was a. It was a lot of fun. This yeah. this this round was a lot of fun to rewatch. It was uh, one thing I did write down about this. It'd be so great if the Bucks had someone on their roster that could throw alley oops to Giannis. Yeah, yeah, it really would. Just like in general, like on last year's team, on this year's team, on any team that has like prime Giannis, like you know, have someone who can like throw an alley oop to him. Because there was one play, I think it was in the fourth quarter, where Middleton had Giannis coming off of like a curl to the rim, and he like tried to throw it up there, but then Giannis had to like corral it and like bring it down, then go back up again on a second jump. Like imagine if you could just have someone who can make that pass normally. I feel like that needs to be like Chris's next offseason thing, like just lob practice for a month. Yeah, like he he also tried to throw like a lob pass to like uh, what was it, Brooke Lopez. I can't remember if it was in this game or a different game, and it just did not go that well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just someone on the team that could throw alley-oops. Like, give Giannis, like, the gimmies that AD gets, and that's yeah. just, like, perfect. Because Giannis, he, he, it doesn't even need to be, like, precision passes. It just has to be, like, you know, pretty just get good. get it up there. Yeah, just get it up there in a place where an alien can go get it. I feel like that's not that difficult for an NBA player, but apparently it is. Yeah, apparently. And honestly, between Giannis and then Brooke Lopez, like there should be a lot of lobs on this team. Or maybe not to Brooke. Brooke, I mean, if it's, if it's close enough, there's there's certainly a smaller window with Brooke, but he can get up there and slam some. Hmm. I don't think I've, now that you're saying this, I don't think I've ever seen Robin Lopez throw down an alley. Yeah, I'd, I'd purposely left off Robin Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like, like, even when they had like guys like Thon on the roster, they could never get, or like John no. Henson, they could never yeah. get lobs up. And I just don't understand it. Like, it's just such a gimme when you have athletic freaks on your roster. But whatever, that's that's not the point. Ursan. Yeah, Ursan. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but and yeah, anyway, Milwaukee did win this series, even though they can't get alley-oops to Giannis, but it didn't matter. You know, Milwaukee got the win. They got the, the series win in five, and they went on 
to get their first Eastern Conference Finals berth since 2001. Ty, did you have any other final thoughts on this series or this game or the series overall? I don't think so. Like, I agree. It felt great. And I think the Bucks get a little bit short changed with how well they handled Boston in this series. Yeah. They, you said it perfectly earlier. They just, they just beat them. Uh, but yeah, I think that'll wrap it up here for us on this edition of Binge the Bucks that we'd like to thank you for listening for. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and make sure you tell your family and friends about the show. Um, please make sure to check out all of the great content that is being put across all across the Blue Wire Podcast Network, including the City of Champions by the Chase Down Podcast. Uh, everyone's trying to put out great content for you to listen to during these times of social distancing and quarantine. Uh, and I guess I just have to say, please stay safe out there and we will talk to you next time.